together growing in faith, changing communities. My dear brothers and sisters, I would like us to reflect on the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, from verse 21 to verse 43. This is what we call a sandwich. The style in which the author uses is called a sandwich because he begins by telling a story and without finishing that story, he stops. Then he begins a totally new and a different story and he tells that story till he finishes it. Then he goes back to the original story. story then he finishes that. That is a, a style that is found in scripture and in the narrative analysis, it is known as a sandwich. Obviously, an author will use a sandwich in order to illustrate a particular point. And these two seemingly different stories speak to each other. The first story that we find in this narrative is a story of a man. His name is Jarius. He is the leader, he is an official in a synagogue. So we know that he's a powerful man. We know that he is an important man. But we also know that he is not the one who is sick. It is his daughter who is sick. And by the way, to the point of death. And so he goes to Jesus, looking for Jesus in order to tell the story and to open up, as it were, about the situation back at home. We do not necessarily know what is it that drives him to go and look for help. Was he tired of seeing his daughter groaning and crying? Was he frustrated of seeing his wife? By the way, where is his wife? Why has he gone all the way by himself? What we know is that he goes out and he searches for God. And this can happen in our lives. Where I'm searching for the truth. I'm searching for inner peace. I'm searching for answers. Whatever you're searching for. But there's something that pushes this person to search. What are you searching for? What am I searching for? The other thing that I also find absolutely amazing in this story is that having found Jesus, he goes in front of Jesus, he kneels in his presence, and he opens up to God. Does he believe in Jesus? We don't know. Does he have a relationship with Jesus? We don't know. So why does he go to Jesus? Is he going there because of his faith? Or is he going there because he's frustrated? And to a large degree, we need to ask ourselves, am I going to you, Lord, because I believe in you? Or am I going to you because I'm looking for someone to sort the situation in my life. And there are moments where I've gone to God, not because I believed that he will do something. I went to him because I was desperate. And quite a number of us can find ourselves there. You've prayed to God, and seemingly there are no answers. 
and you say, well, I'm here because I was raised up this way. I'm here because I'm told you are the only one who can help. So if you are listening, please do hear. The other aspect that also touches me, having gone and spoken to Jesus, seemingly Jesus is prepared to help. And as they are going away, a woman comes from the back and she says to herself, if only I were to touch the hem of his cloth, I will be healed. And as she goes and touches, the whole episode begins. Jesus stops, he turns around and he says, who touched me? And Jesus gives full attention to this woman. And so the woman is able to tell of a story. And while she is doing this, she herself is healed. And while Jesus focuses on her, a messenger comes and goes to Jarius and says to Jarius, Do not bother the master. Your daughter has died. How would you feel? I was here first. I asked for help. It's like somebody, there's an ambulance, takes so and so, rush so and so to hospital. And someone else comes. And they say, well, let's take both of them. But let us first start with so and so and rush them to that hospital. And as they rush them to that hospital, on their way back, the first person who should have been helped dies. It's like I call a friend of mine. Let's go for an interview. They will be hiring people there. And they take her, not me. How do you feel when God is helping someone else, but not you? How do you feel when you pray for someone and things happen to them, but when you pray for yourself, it doesn't happen? How do you feel? How does Jarius feel? I've been here. I've been waiting. I asked you. You were on your way to help me. Had you not stopped and listened to this woman, had you not stopped and entertained this woman, my daughter would be alive. Have you not heard that before? The Gospel of John chapter 11. When Martha and Mary say to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother will not have died. And so you see in Jarius the sadness, the disappointment, and possibly anger. Why? Why did you delay why did you not help me? And probably Jarius is about to walk away. Frustrated, angry, disappointed. I've known people who've left the church because they're angry at God. They're angry with the church. That things are not happening as they have planned. 
They feel disappointed. They feel let down. They feel betrayed. Something powerful happens. Jesus can identify with Jarius and he says to him, uh-uh, don't go. Don't go. I'll go with you. Do I have someone like that? When I'm about to throw the towel, when I'm about to give up, someone who will come and say, it's not over yet. This is not the end of you. This is not how it ends. Do I have someone who believes in me when I cannot believe in myself? Do I have someone who can see the light at the end of the tunnel when I have decided to turn and go back into darkness, into depression, into anxiety? And Jesus says, let's go. I find it absolutely amazing that Jesus takes Jarius, they go to the house. But as they enter the house, obviously they see the gate and there are people outside the gate weeping and wailing and crying. And Jesus looks at them and is like, and you? What are you doing here? And they're like, Jesus, she's dead. And Jesus says, no, she's asleep. And they laugh at God. That frustrates. They're waiting outside, supposedly comforting the family. But someone who comes with better news, they laugh at him. In disbelief. And Jesus kicks them out. He says, get out. I don't need you. And you know what? We also should do the same. There are certain people we don't need in our lives. If you cannot see the good, what are you doing? If you cannot lift me up, what are you doing? If you cannot push me to be better, what are you doing? If you cannot stand by me, what are you doing? The people in our lives, in our circle, in our corner, do they believe in us? Can they stand by us when I can no longer stand by myself? Can they lift me up when I'm out and down? And there is something absolutely beautiful in Jesus. And that's a lesson. It's okay not just to let people go, but it's okay to fire people from your life. You fire it. I can actually do better without you. That's what Jesus does. 
And he goes into the house. He only takes three people with him. Peter, James, and John. There are some people who are in our circle. They are not necessarily in your corner. They are there when things are going well. But when days are dark, friends are few. And so you find them that every time they need you, they expect you to be at their beck and call. But when you need them, they are busy. They have excuses. Well, those people are there only when it's convenient for them. They are there in your circle, but not necessarily in your corner. Do you have a Peter, James, and John who can go with you into the situation? But he does something absolutely amazing. He takes Peter, James, and John, then he takes the mother and the father. In the whole chapter, the mother is only given one verse. And the only thing we know about her, he takes the mother and the father. What is the mother's name? Nobody knows. But imagine sitting with your 12-year-old daughter, gasping for air. And you're waiting for your husband and you say, I hope he's coming. And you console your baby and you say, hang on baby, daddy is coming with help. Imagine the frustration in this woman's heart seeing a baby giving her last breath. The pain of losing a child in your arms. And yet, she's only given one verse. And I can imagine when Jarius comes in and she screams at him, she says, you're late. She's dead. And Jarius comes in with a bunch of men and she says, I don't want them anymore. Had you been here 10 minutes earlier, maybe they would have been useful. Get out. She's only given one verse. Jesus goes and he looks at her and he only says one word. Talita kumi. Little girl, get up. Interestingly, the author gives us this phrase, not in Greek, not in Hebrew, in Jesus' mother tongue, in his own native language, in Aramaic. Get up. How many of us need that? To get up. To find our true selves. 
to realign, to refocus. May the Virgin Mother of God continue to be with us, to protect, to bless, and to guide us. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.